We're going to move forward in our series this morning on uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk a life with the Holy Spirit every day in a very practical way. I don't know about you, but for me, probably one of the hardest things to do in this life is to love. Anybody else? It's hard to love. Am I the only one? Really? I'm the only self-centered guy in the room? Oh, my goodness. You know... um, there's several ways that I know when I'm being selfish, and, and one is what I like to call the cat gack. The cat gack. Anybody have a cat? So we have a cat. I'm actually confessing to my wife. She doesn't know that I've done this, but we have a cat, and once in a while a cat gacks. You know what that means? So the cat throws up somewhere in the house, and you can hear it from everywhere. So, ah, ah, you know, the cat's gacking. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago I was up studying, and Gwen was upstairs studying, and I hear the cat gack. And I think to myself, my wife will not know that I heard the cat gack. And I'm just going to leave the gack right where it is. I did. I know. I did. And eventually she'll find it, i.e. step in it, you know, kind of a thing. So I did. I have to confess, I left the gack, and Gwen never found it. And so the next day, I thought about the gack again. I think the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And so I found the gack, and I just want to report that dry gack is better to clean up than wet gack. Like, I hate wet gack. But dry gack, just scrape it, you know, use a little spray and it comes right up. So when I clean up the gack in our life, whatever that may be, I know that I'm being, I'm being loving. I'm exercising the fruit of the Spirit because it's not something I like to do naturally. And gack can be anything, right, in our lives. And so that's the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that the Holy Spirit loves through us. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. In fact, we can't truly love the way God wants us to love without the Holy Spirit. So God's goal for us is that he wants to love through us, not just to us. And humanly speaking, we're really not that good at loving one another. So he fills us, and as he fills us, he spills out of us. God fills and he spills out of us into others. And so I want to remind you this morning, the fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, is love. And what we're going to talk about this morning are the the next six expressions. We covered the first three last week. But the next six expressions of love or a fruit of the Spirit in our life. And the first one I want to mention to you this morning is the fruit called patience. Patience. What is patience? Well, let me give you a couple of definitions today. There's probably more. But the fruit of patience is really not retaliating when I've been mistreated or wronged. Even though someone may actually deserve it. Some of you are like, yeah, honey, you deserve it, right? God models patience in his love for us. Even though we mistreat him and wrong him, he doesn't give us what we deserve. He doesn't retaliate. In fact, he gives us a solution. Even though he's been mistreated and disrespected for thousands of years by each one of us, God still doesn't give us what what we deserve. Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? So God loves us with patience. And patient love helps to turn us from our sin. It says in the word that what I just read here in the King James, it says it's it's his kindness that, that leads us to repentance. Or to change, to true heart change. And so patient love also helps to turn people from their sin and helps us to turn one another from our sins. Now, I've seen patient love 
in marriages over the years. There are dozens of marriages in our church, and I know this because I've worked with them. Dozens of marriages who are still married today because one spouse chose to display patient love and not to retaliate, but rather to pray and to wait for God to change their spouse's heart. And no spouse is perfect. We all contribute to the problem, don't we? But sometimes there's one spouse that has understood this patient love better than the other spouse. And then what about patience with your children? I mean, we dedicated these families this morning. They're going to need patience. I mean, the day will come. They're cute now. When those little minds want to make up their own minds and make their own choices. And they will try your patience. But patience also includes this idea of perseverance. Perseverance. I loved how John prayed this morning. You know, bearing up with Christ's love, even, even when it's, we're in hard times. Bearing up under weariness and strain and persecution. I believe as I look around the room that all of you practice patience every day. You may not realize it's a fruit of the Spirit, but it is. It's coming out of you. You practice bearing up under the strain and the stress of life. Life is stressful. It brings a strain to us. And, and so the fruit of the Spirit, having the Holy Spirit fill you, is the best way to be bearing up underneath the strain and stress of life. I loved how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 4. He said, we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Somebody say amen. Amen. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Praise the Lord. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. So when I think about patience or perseverance, I think of people who live with chronic pain. And again, our church is filled with people who live with chronic pain. There's people tuning in this morning by live stream. Thank you for joining us this morning because they could not get here today. It was too painful. They could not bring themselves to get out of bed or to get out the door to be here with us. And so they're joining us via live stream. And I love that about live stream. You know, there are people who have severe emotional struggles and challenges in life. And and sometimes they just can't be in a crowd. And yet they want to be with us. People that struggle with anxiety or depression. You know, at this very moment, people I love dearly, and there's a bunch of them. I'm just going to mention a couple. Anya Rossiter is home with Jim, and they'll be watching this morning. She's fighting for her life, battling cancer in the middle of chemo. Being so patient. And I've been with her and I understand that her heart is is still so trusting of the Lord, even though she's in the middle of this thing. I think of Baker DeMeyer. I think of Amy and Jeremy and their family who've spent the last several weeks at Children's and, and, and his little body racked with pain. And the years of perseverance that they've used to bring such great care to him. And loved him so well. The entire family just hits the ball out of the park every day. Loving Baker. And he loves them. He loves them. It's not a one-sided deal. They sacrifice to give him the best loving care. They're amazingly patient. You know, people in our lives die every year. And some people kind of feel like the grief is over when the memorial service is over. It's not over. So there's people that sit within us, among us here today, that for years are are struggling still with the loss of somebody that they love dearly. So there's, there's the persevering through grief. 
A good friend of mine asked me last week, what's the point of pain? And I simply said, hang on to Jesus. Hang on to Jesus. That's the point of pain. Pressing into his presence. And when we do that, Jesus produces something deeper in our life. He produces glory in our life. Paul said, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Did you know that your patience is producing glory in your life, but also for Jesus? So I want to ask you today, where you're hanging on to Jesus, what is it that you need to trust His grace for today? What is it that you need to... Receive patience and perseverance for today. Keep that in mind as we work through the rest of our list. So you have patience. And then the next fruit is kindness. Kindness is the next expression of love that is listed in these fruits. And God is so, so kind to us. You know, we come here and gather on Sundays because He is worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. He is so kind. And so we come and we tell him that we know he's kind and that we know he's good. Ephesians 2 says, God shows the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. God expressed his kindness to us through Christ. If he never did another thing, he's done enough. And yet he's still kind every day of our life. But what is this grace we talk about? This grace is getting what we do not deserve. Getting what we do not deserve. Something we did nothing to earn. We just have to receive it. Live life with open hands. To receive God's kindness and grace. God's grace is the ultimate expression of kindness. He gave us the kindness of Christ. Forgiveness of our sins. Friendship to us. Relationship with us. Eternity with us. All because of his kindness. And God wants us to be known for our kindness. Like at the Farmer's Day Parade. So if you were at the parade, roll this video while I talk. So on parade day, thousands of people line the streets of Linden. A lot of children. And many of them don't go to church. And many of them are not saved. And we get the chance to be kind to them once a year, one day a year. They may never come through these doors. And even though they didn't ask for it, everybody gets candy. And so we sit on the back of a truck and run our our float that advertises our kids' camp through town every year. And we give out candy. And some people say, well, why do you give out so much candy? And I say, because we have a generous God. And we want to let people know he's generous. We have a kind God. He gives us what we do not deserve. And I want people to know that North County is willing to give them what they didn't ask for and didn't earn and didn't deserve. A piece of candy. And people know when we're coming because they know we give chocolate. So they know that. And the parents are with their kids. Get out there. Go past the white line. It's okay. The horses are nice. Because parents want the chocolate, right? And so we don't do this mindlessly. We really don't. We think about this. We pray about this. We pray over the candy. And then we say, God, would you bring some kids to camp that wouldn't have come to camp had they not seen our float that advertises dig. That's why we do it. Do you know how much more people we, we, we reach with this one day, this one and a half hours, 
than in any paper ads that we would ever do. I mean, do you understand? We're reaching thousands of children who don't even read. And they want to come to camp. And we do this because God is immeasurably kind. We deserve death. God gives us life. We deserve judgment. He gives us forgiveness. We deserve punishment. He gives us mercy. God's kindness is expressed in generosity. So we want to be a generous people. We want to be people who in practical ways, every day, every day in every way, you're giving away the love of Christ through tangible ways to people in your life. God wants us to give away His kindness. And often this involves personal sacrifice. Sometimes we have to sacrifice personally, like cleaning up gak. I mean, it involves that, right? Second Corinthians 8, Paul said, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. And that's the kind of kindness God wants us to love with. He wants us to be kind to sinners. He wants us to be kind to one another. I don't know if you've noticed, but we can be pretty judgmental towards sinners. We can be harsh towards sinners, but we need to remember that we were once sinners. And now because of Christ, we're saints. He has turned our life around and he sees us through the sacrifice of Christ. But we were once as they are. And so we don't want to judge like Jesus didn't judge. He came to seek and save the lost. And Charles Allen said it like this. He said, in one's disdain of sin, one can be harsh and unkind toward a sinner. Some people seem to have such a passion for righteousness that they have no room left for compassion for those who have failed. So kindness, like God, like it leads us to repentance. Kindness loves the sinner and hates the sin. Hates the fact that sin destroys. Kindness sees sin as the enemy and sees the person as potential friend. Kindness comes along people to walk them into change. Kindness leaves the door open for them to come back when they failed. Kindness doesn't judge or discard people but speaks the truth in love. Yes, sometimes there's discipline. Sometimes we have to have tough love like James Dobson said. But kindness always leaves the path open. For restoration. Kindness generously gives away what no one deserves. Grace and mercy. Amen? Aren't you glad that God didn't hold back the grace and mercy when it came to you? He didn't. He gave it away freely. And so must we. So patience and kindness. Then there is goodness. God is so wonderful in His goodness to us. Psalm 145, 7. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. Man, the God that I know is so good to us. Yes, bad stuff happens in life. But God also wants to be good through us. And it's the little things that matter. I've got another GAC story for you this morning. Is that okay? It just comes in threes. I don't know what the deal is. But I was at a basketball tournament yesterday. I went to watch my nephew Costin at 9 o'clock. One game, and I ended up staying till two because there's so many kids from our church that play that I just love to watch them play, right? I was there till two. And during this one game, Lyndon was playing Lummy, and this one girl got sick and ran off the court and puked her guts out against the locker room door and on the floor. And I mean, once, twice, just whew. And a bunch of us are sitting about 30 feet away from where this happened, and we're like looking at each other. 
we ain't moving. You know what I'm saying? If I, if I went, I would just add to the problem. That's one of my things. Like, I'm a germaphobe. I admit it. So this one woman who was sitting with us, I'll, I'll keep her um, anonymous today, went over to the locker room, grabbed some gloves, grabbed some towels, grabbed a spray bottle, went and got on her knees and wiped up the mess. And I've got to tell you, that touched me. That touched me because, first of all, I, I wouldn't do it. And second of all, because it was such an act of goodness. It was saying, you know what, this is not my job. And you know what, I'm not on staff here. But somebody's got to clean this up. And I'm going to do it. And she just went and did it. And I just thought, what a great expression of the fruit of the Spirit. And that goodness really means taking action for the benefit of others. So I know I've just thrown myself under the bus on this one. But that's what it means, taking action for the benefit of others. You know, these roasting sticks I have up here, there's a guy in our church named Mike Gish. Many of you know him. He served on our council. And Mike has taken to receiving donations of golf clubs, old golf clubs, and then he makes roasting sticks out of them. And then he gives them to the church and other places to raise money. So we're selling these for 5 bucks a piece, and they're worth it. I've already bought eight and used them. Uh, they're great. So you can pick them up back there in the media center. But, but the reason I tell you that story is because Mike's not really benefiting from this. In fact, he probably picks these, these pieces up at secondhand stores, probably has to pay a little money for them. I don't know. But then he puts his time and his talent and his fun into them, and then he gives them away. And I say, that's goodness. And then the money goes to help missions. That's where the money goes goes directly to missions. Every penny of it goes to missions. And that's a picture of goodness, you know, that, that we give something, we take action about something that doesn't benefit us, but really just brings benefit to others. And that it comes out of a heart that's right, and maybe a heart for justice, maybe a heart that says, I want to help people that can't help themselves. It's noticing an injustice and taking action to make it right. You know, one of the stories I love from our own church, and there's so many of these stories. I told a little bit about this at Baccalaureate the other night. Years ago, this girl named Kelly became aware of an impoverished tribe in India called the Banchata tribe. And for 500 years, this tribe had been selling their firstborn daughter into prostitution at the age of 12. For 500 years, every firstborn daughter would spend the rest of her life servicing the men of India, and the money would go to help the family. 500 years of this. I mean, get your mind wrapped around this and the brokenness and the travesty of it. Kelly heard about this when she was with YWAM, and her heart was broken. She came back to Linden, and years later um, began to raise funds, went back and visited these villages, and found that YWAM was now offering schools and job training and education for these firstborn girls to learn a trade. So then Kelly and Toby and Security Solutions got involved, and they raised money to go back and build schools and plant churches. And, you know, there's a couple pictures of some of these girls that would be in prostitution today. Do you guys have those up there? There they are. There's actual girls that would be in prostitution today are now part of a vibrant community and a church, and they're, they're being trained to become nurses And they will make a wage being nurses that they can now help their families where before it would have been prostitution. And here's the interesting response from the families, okay? This is 
not good, but it, it makes sense. And so they said, we like this better because our daughters live longer than they would if they were in prostitution because they last to about 30 in prostitution. And as nurses, they can live a long time, and so they can care for us for a lot more years. Isn't that an interesting and sad response? Yet, yet, I get it. That's where they live. So I love the fact that Kelly came back here and couldn't let go of what she had seen and what she had found out. And now, in those villages where there was not one believer in Christ 20 years ago, not one of 100,000 people, then there became one, and then another became two, and another became three. And after several years, it began to multiply. And now there are 100 believers in, I think, three villages, something like that, in these tribes. There are two children's homes that care for 250 of the most at-risk children. I just think that's a beautiful story. And that's such an illustration of the goodness of God. I mean, Kelly's filled with the fruit of the Spirit, right? And the goodness of God came through her because she just could not let go and she had to act. She had to make a difference. And Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, We can show others the goodness of God, for He called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You know, when I think about God's goodness, I think about orphan care. I think about people that adopt babies into their families and pay the high price for that and open their homes so that a child can have a forever family and that child's life will be forever changed. And in fact, that child may even become a follower of Christ because they've moved into this home that has now shown them the way. You know, we have several families in our church awaiting for their child right now and it's so exciting to see who God brings them. So however you choose to express it, what I'm telling you this morning is that if you're a child of God, God wants you to be good to others. He wants you to let His goodness flow through you to others. Terry Smith, my friend, says, goodness is getting mad. Make a difference. In fact, if you meet Terry, he'll take a pen and he'll write on your hand, mad. And he'll say to you, make a difference. And Terry's still making a difference at, I think, 80 or so years old all over the world. So goodness came through you as a church as you gave money to India to develop this lab where it'll turn around blood work now in a day instead of two or three or four days as it used to be. This is where your money went from the wish list last Christmas, um, making a powerful difference already. Your goodness is when you give your spare change instead of spending it on lattes. Maybe you give it to Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic and It saves a life and it helps a mom decide to bring her child to full term and give birth instead of abort. This is what goodness does. Goodness is why you take the time to make a meal for a family that's gone through grief or is having a problem with life or has dealt with an injury and you take the time to make a meal and you don't say somebody else will do it. You just do it. Like Nike said, Just do it, right? Just wipe up the gack, Pastor Kurt. Just do it. So in a moment that needs something good, here's what I say to you today. Take action. Take action. Make a difference. Get mad about something in your life. Patience, kindness, goodness, God loving through you. And then secondly, this morning, we want to talk about, in our closing minutes, the Holy Spirit developing His character in us. 
So the first three are what he does through us. Now this is what he develops in us. This is character. And the first one I want to talk about this morning is faithfulness. And I want to show you a a short video clip of a man in our church who I believe is a faithful man. And I believe he's, since he met Christ, has been faithful with his life. So take a moment and watch this little video this morning. Scott Donor, um, husband of Peggy Donor for 50 plus years, father of Brent and Margie and Jennifer and Megan, and 15 grandkids and four great grandkids. I ran a restaurant and one duty free store in North Dakota for 10 years. Wasn't saved. Um, did business the way I thought it was supposed to be. Worked hard, tried to make a living, take care of my family. At the end of that, uh, Jesus introduced himself to me one night, and and I wasn't seeking this, but out of the heavens, I don't know how else to explain it, within me, I don't think it was audible, but there was nobody else around, I can't prove it, because inside it reverberated, God just said, I'm real, he said, son, I'm real, and I had decided there was no God, obviously, and I knew what that meant, I won't tell you what it said, but it wasn't, oh, praise the Lord, it was... Because I knew what had happened, my paradigm for life had just got squished and totally flattened and destroyed, and there was a new one. There is a God, and what I do matters. When he told me it was time to leave, I left. And then I ended up at Superfeet when it was very small, uh, four or five employees only. And uh, my job was to try to make it work or shut it down. Uh, Most of the employees didn't know the second alternative, so we just focused on the first one. And it took two or three years, uh, and we got some traction. I I asked God, I asked him whether in order to be a successful business in America, you had to act like all the other businesses that I had to do business with when I was in the duty-free business. And I said, I'd like to do it different. If there's a difference, I need to know what it is because I don't know how to do it. I never had an organizational chart until we hit about 14 million. I was in a toy store with my wife, one of the grandkids' birthday, and I saw this little round thing. It was a series of little balls held together by bungee cords and held apart by straws, but it formed a ball, a round structure, and God said, that's it. It's a oneness, it's a unity thing. It's we're all in this thing together, and you take any part of it out, it all collapses. That's better structure, better thinking, I think. So we built Superfeed on that concept, and God built that concept in me and expanded and expanded and expanded it, and and still is adding to it, actually. The business grew very, very big for me. I didn't know what I was doing at $800,000, and we got to... 38 million before I I retired uh, and I never knew what I was doing but God was always in everything it doesn't matter what it was good bad or ugly he was in it I learned that he was intimately involved and wanted to be intimately involved in business 
Christians. We talk about, make the statement, well, I need to bring God to work with me. No, you don't. He's right here. It's Christ in us. And He knows everything. He's the one who carries the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Well, if we don't rely on Him, if we don't build the relationship that He asks us, He wants us to build, we're being pretty foolish. Why wouldn't you want somebody who knows everything on your team? Well, Jesus is in the future. He already knows it. And He can guide you properly. There, and that's what He did. Let's thank Scott for sharing today. What I love about Scott's testimony is that the fruit of faithfulness just reverberates through his life. From the time he came to Christ, he has lived his life uh, for God, for his family, for his company. And what I love about this faithfulness story is that Scott made the company not about him. Does that make sense? I've sat with Scott, and he's shown me his organizational structure, and he has talked about how, you know, everybody works together. And everybody benefits from the company. And, and they celebrate their wins together. And they celebrate their losses together. And they're, they're, one, they're one. They're unified. And if you're a business owner, you understand how much faithfulness it takes to, to live a structure like that. Where, like you said, if, you, if one piece comes out, you know, the, the thing doesn't work. Or he said collapses. doesn't work. And that's how much you depend on one another. Well, you know, business owners don't like to depend on other people necessarily, do we? And so we have to learn to bring this faithfulness to God and this faithfulness to one another so that our businesses, our families, our lives, whatever the case, our church becomes as much about everybody else as it is about us. I would like to say more about everybody else than it is about us. And that's servant leadership. And that takes incredible, incredible faithfulness. So I love his story. If you ever get to know him, take the chance, especially if you're a business owner. He's got some great insights on business. So faithfulness is the character trait of being trustworthy and reliable. That God in his very essence, who he is, is faithful. He cannot be unfaithful to us. He is faithful. When God defined himself to Moses, he said, I am Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So God is fully trustworthy and reliable. And he wants us to be reliable as well. Reliability. It's a fruit of the Spirit. He's given us people to be faithful to, to be loyal to, to be reliable to. Our families, our friends, our co-workers, our employees, our employer, our church. You know, I've just got to say I love our church. I love our church. And not in a sense of yay North County at all, but just in a sense of I love you, the people of our church, because of your faithfulness, because of your loyalty. Just the pictures I showed this morning is just a tiny bit of what you do Week after week after week. And I love that about you. I love that you're loyal. I love that you're faithful to the Lord first. But then you're also faithful to one another. But not only one another, you're faithful to those around the world who you will never meet. And I love that about you. That's the fruit of the Spirit of faithfulness, of loyalty, of God in you and through you. So that's pretty awesome. 
right? So faithfulness, and then we have gentleness. We have gentleness. Jesus really did an awesome job of showing us the gentleness of God. He could get pretty honorary as well, right? In a non-sinful way. But listen to what he said about himself. He said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke is what ties you to the other oxen, right? So take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle of heart. That doesn't mean wimpy. It means more like meek, strength under control. It's really what that means. And you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So when you think about Jesus and you think about the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus gave us, he teaches us gently. Like he doesn't overcome us with too high of expectations, things that we cannot fulfill. He sets the bar pretty low. He simply says, say yes, receive what I've already done for you. So the fruit of gentleness has to do with How he treated us is how we treat others. That even if we disagree with them or we see a character flaw in their life, we're gentle with them. Again, it it may be speaking truth in love. But we are gentle with the way we do it. When someone in our life fails us, we don't discard them. We don't kick them to the curb. There may be a road back, a road of restoration, a road of recovery, but we help them. On that road, we help them to their feet. This is how we live this fruit of gentleness. In Galatians 6, Paul said, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So God gently calls us to relationship to him through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came to become the way to God. When Jesus became the way, it was anything but gentle. It was violent. He went to war for us. He was not gentle in earning our salvation. But he's gentle in inviting us to come to him. Come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. How many of you want some rest? Just two okay i know the rest of you are like oh i need some rest right now some rest from this sermon let me go (laughs) and he wants us to be gentle when we're helping others in their walk with christ so here's what i say to us today become a pathway person like jesus was you know partner with jesus in getting people on the path Jesus facilitates forgiveness. Who needs your gentle encouragement today to facilitate forgiveness? And then finally, the last one, self-control. Self-control. Now, really, self-control is the bookend. You've got love and self-control. Self-control is what makes all the fruit possible in your life. Have you thought about that? It's not just saying, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to chew, I'm not going to go with girls that do. But really, what it is, is... (laughs) Somewhere in the back of my brain that lives. I don't know. (laughs) But self-control really is, the fruit of the spirit of self-control really is saying no to self so that you can love, so that you can have patience, so that you can be good to people and choose to take action, so that you can be kind 
and give people what they need. That's really what self-control does is it makes all the other fruit happen in our life because we've said no to self, a fruit of the Spirit, and we have said yes to love. That's what God wants to do through us. Does that make sense? So self-control is what empowers us to choose patience over payback. Think about that. Kindness over keeping our resources to ourselves. And good to others rather than great for ourselves. Again, I, I reference Scott Donor. Good to his company rather than just great for himself. And look what God did. Look what God does when we get the fruit in line. One down, 500 to go. Here we go. So self-control makes the choice to love God and love others. We're at our best. Listen, listen to me. This is the last thing I'm going to say. We're at our best when we let God be his best through us. You want to be great? Let God be his best through you. Let him love through you. Let him bring his fruit to bear on the people that you're with in your life. That is how to truly become great. So would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray for you. We're going to worship one more song. We're going to worship Jesus. And I want to simply ask you this morning, as you respond to God's word, uh, what fruit do you want to see become greater in your life? Which one is a struggle for you? Identify it in your mind. You got it? Patience, patience, patience. Which one is it? Taking action? I'll, I'll take that one. Taking action, okay? When the cat gags. Um, what is yours? If you're willing this morning, what I'd like to do is just... Uh, Say to the Lord, Lord, I want to choose to make myself available for this fruit to grow in my life. Help me. Help me open up my heart so that I can release more of this good fruit in the lives of those around me. So that I can bring you glory. So that I can be my best as well. So let's pray. God, thank you this morning that we have the opportunity first to receive Christ as our Savior. To receive forgiveness the goodness, the kindness of God. And Jesus, again today, we say we receive all that you have for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. If you've never done this, do this now. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Let me live my life for you. But God, we stand here as your people today and we simply say, Lord, there's an area of my life that sometimes is not very fruitful. And so, God, I I open my heart to you and I say, Lord, Grow this ability to produce this fruit. We know you've given it. So help us have the self-control to release it in love. Help us say yes to you, Jesus. We give our heart, we give our life, we give our ministry to you again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to give our tithes and offerings as we worship the Lord. But just stay, stay in tune with this idea, this thought of his fruit in you as you sing.